the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com, or mail your check. Check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. tonight for the Bible Live broadcast. We are finishing up. This week was our last week uh, moving through the scriptures from Genesis all the way to the maps at the back of your Bible. And so we're reading, we were down to reading these final, uh, the small uh, prophetic books in the Hebrew scriptures. You said what pathetic? Was it? Uh, <laughs> no, I did not say pathetic. I said prophetic. Uh, the books of uh, Zechariah. This last week, we finished up the book of Zechariah, the last chapter 14. Then we moved in on into Malachi uh, and uh, these two post-exilic, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, the three post-exilic uh, prophets of the Hebrew Scriptures. And then there comes this period from the time of Malachi. Now, there are about 400 years between Malachi and uh the record picks up with John the Baptist in the book of, in the Gospels, John the Baptist and then in the birth the modern, of Jesus. And yes, so that's true. It's about four hundred years in the modern Christian Protestant Bible. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so we we, we some people call it four hundred years of silence, but of course, as Jacob has pointed out, and hello, Jacob, good to see you. Uh, by the way. Hello, Sophie. Thank you so much. As you've mentioned very clearly and instructively uh, to us, uh, they weren't. Totally silent. In other words, it wasn't like God went offline and we just all had to kind of wait around. Well, I'm always fond of responding, well, maybe your God was, but mine wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, things happened and people were in the, in, in the Roman Empire uh, 
Well, the Roman Empire uh, came stronger and stronger and uh, dominated the world of that era. But there, essentially we see this, uh, in the sense of prophets, I guess, there were uh, God acted, there were people, but uh, the, at least from the, uh, I, I guess the Christian scholars think in, in terms of uh, prophets like Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and so on, that there seemed to be a, a period where there weren't prophets in that Old Testament sense that we'd think of. But I, but, but you can address that. Yeah, that's fine. Then comes along this guy, John the Baptist, who supposedly, uh, at least in Christian understanding, is that, profi- that predicted forerunner who is going to come before the Messiah, who's going to prepare the way, uh, lift up the low places and lay down the, the mountains and prepare the way for the Messiah. And and in fact, in essence, that is what we see happen. John the Baptist comes along uh, in the midst of all of the corruption of, of the Roman uh, domination over Israel and the corruption in both the political and the religious world and, and so on. John the Baptist is there faithfully. He's, he's an unusual figure, and he you know, preaches that Old Testament kind of prophetic way, method, and, and so on. And there's one, something very unique about him. He is one hundred percent Levite. Yes, by his on his uh, mo- father both. and no, mother 100% side. One hundred percent would be both. Yeah, mother, mommy, and daddy are both <laughs> Levites. We know that because it says so in the Book of Luke. And then we have to ask ourselves a question, but we have the answer because of your uh, prologue. Uh-huh. But why is he out at the Jordan River? How come he's not in the temple? How come he's, they got a mikvah, a baptismal mm-hmm. in the temple? And it's running water. It comes in as a pool. It runs out. It's the same idea. Mm-hmm. But John the Baptist is out to the Jordan River. And then you say, well, why is he out to the Jordan River? He's 100% Levite. How come he hasn't it's got It's almost like he's an outcast. Well, it's because the Herod and the Romans kicked out the real Jewish priest. And they put their own lackeys in. And there's a, a statue of this Caesar? Or is that in that no, era? Not, not Caesar, but uh, let's see. Who was it? It was... Uh, one of the Roman gods. I'm uh-huh. sorry. Well, but the, the level of corruption is yeah. there in present, and 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 I and I love that. That really helps explain when Jesus went to John the Baptist. John says, "You know, I I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me." And Jesus has that statement that confuses a lot of people, thinking it says, uh, "No, no, but for all for righteousness' sake, we need to do this." for righteousness sake do this in this way and i've always kind of wondered in my mind i always did i wonder what that means and 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 i've heard different kind of ideas and but with your explanation of that uh jacob it really helped me to understand that that the point was is that's what was supposed to happen well, when a man had Jesus, takes a Nazarite had, vow, had Jesus conceded and uh-huh. baptized John, we would have known he was not the Messiah. Right. Because, because he, he just He's not a Levite. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Himself. And so anyway, uh, it helps us understand that. But we've got these 400 years. Then we come to the time of John the Baptist, and he prepares the way uh, for Jesus. And in essence, he turns – he has this huge, huge ministry, lots of followers – and he turns up. Can you imagine the ministry today doing that? You know, okay, all of y'all, I've got this great ministry now. I want you to start following this guy. <laughs> you know, that wouldn't happen. So Jesus uh, builds on the ministry then that, that John has established, and we go into the Gospels, and in the time of of um, 
the three and a half years of ministry by Jesus. Then you go into the time of the of the Book of Acts, the history of the the growth of this this early Christian movement, the followers of Christ, which. Uh, Principally, in the beginning, of course, was a Jewish movement. It was among the Jewish people, followers, leaders, and then it broke out like a wildfire across the Roman Empire, and and the people were swept into God's kingdom, <laughs> unprecedented in, in all of history. In other words, the movement of following the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob exploded out of Israel, and and just in a global war to the. To the fact, to the point today that I was, I was telling some um, some of our uh, Air Force trainees that we work with and minister to every weekend. I was telling them the fact about uh, now we are seeing in these times where we live now, we're seeing the answer to David's the, David King David's prayers in the Old Testament. Let all the world praise the Lord. Let every nation, every tongue, let every because today are all around all around planet Earth. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Scriptures, is is, is being embraced and being worshipped, being followed, uh, and that's the movement that had its its start there in this early, with the claims of this one who said Jesus of Nazareth, who claimed to be that that long-awaited, predicted Messiah of Israel, and and so that happened, and that's what we see in the New Testament, the first. Century from from uh, he was killed somewhere around what thirty what is it thirty four thirty five A D I mean somewhere in that somewhere range in, there, yeah. in that era and then uh, we see the the first century the New Testament probably finished at least by the nineties uh, of the first uh, I, I think a little earlier personally but but even the even the people who would think it much later like would put four it in the, the afternoon 90s. something like yeah, that mm-hmm, yeah four in the afternoon on a, on a thursday yeah, on, on a thursday, friday, friday. <laughs> didn't make the news till to oh. the news cycle but anyway we, now we've come we read through all of that but we've come to the book of revelation we read through that entire book in four nights tuesday wednesday thursday and friday of this past week and so we can comment on that tonight as well. So we want you to know, folks, that uh, we're here. We're going to talk a little bit we about have a phone number, those. Yes, we happen to have one. Did you pay the bill this week, John? Uh, 210 is our area code, 340-9585. 210-340-9585 if and you'd like to join us. people don't have to agree. They, have, they could call in and disagree with you. Exactly right. They could give us another insight. <laughs> Another thought they've had, or maybe a question about any of the books we've talked about tonight that we read this past week on the radio, uh, or if you have another passage or another book that has been puzzling to you, or some question about a book from the Bible. The, yeah, yeah, a book from the Bible. Let's do stick to the Bible, but maybe you have a question about another book of the Bible, or a question about the God of the Bible, or about what it is to know and follow God. Any question you might have, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, talk about it here on The Bible Live. That's what it's uh, – the focus of our program is about this book. And uh, we can talk about it and uh, hear your questions, hear your thoughts as well. 210-340-9585. Well, I don't know. Jacob, let's take a couple of minutes here and just talk about uh, Zechariah Malachi. I, we were talking before the program that – it's not. It's not that they're minor or unimportant. Uh, Zachariah talks a festival of shelters. We've talked about. But isn't that the Sukkot? Isn't Sukkot, that the, yeah? Sukkot, uh-huh. 
uh, celebration of Thanksgiving for the harvest of uh, for the harvest, but in spiritualizing a bit, we can talk about the celebration of Thanksgiving for the harvest harvest of souls uh, for the Lord. So we can we can expand the idea, and so we um, we can have that. Now, if I understand it correctly, and uh, and one of the questions here has brought that out that that would still be an appropriate festival, uh, e- even. Uh, uh, I hate to kind of get into that. <laughs> the whole idea of this thousand-year messianic reign on the earth and all, I, I, I'm not – that's one area, Jacob, that I am not – I used to be more doctrinaire and more, you know, kind of uh, – I had the appropriate evangelical view of, the you know, the the timeline of what's going to happen next, you know, the um, – what is it, the you know, the rapture and then the seven years of – a tribulation and in the second coming and uh, or the the coming of Christ in the beginning of the thousand year reign and, all, and and you know folks please don't get impatient with me or upset with me but I I just I've listened to all of the different perspectives and all and I and and really what I finally come down to is I'm just sure it's going to pan out that Jesus is going to come and the Messiah is going to return when he returns and that's it and and it'll, and I'm going to be really happy and but meanwhile, I just want to be busy serving him and, and uh, wor- you know, working for the kingdom, and, and we'll just see what happens, how it's going to work out. But uh, someone has written that the Festival of Shelters would be one of the uh, Hebrew worship festivals that would be appropriate still, uh, because we could give thanks and praise God for the harvest of souls, you know, as, as part of it. So I, I you see that question number two on the <laughs> I don't know what you would think of that. This is that's kind of a Christian sort of a thing, right? Well, it's a, yeah, but there's nothing wrong with that because this generally is a Christian show. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I get it, uh, but I, I don't know how much I buy into that necessarily. But it's one of the comments. Well, let me uh, just go ahead and put a put a stumbling block. Why in not? Front of go you, ahead. Uh, go ahead. Do you know what? Do you know why they call it a stumbling block? First of all, a stumbling block. Yeah. <coughs> it's not. It's not like a speed bump. Well, I I, know, I recognize the phrase from the New Testament that that the the rock of something has become a stumbling block. That it was an imagery of uh, someone applied it to the life of Jesus as Messiah. That, uh, but a stumbling block. I'm sure that's not what you wanted to hear from me. I mean, that's not the answer to your question. Why was that concept of a stumbling block? Wasn't it saying the chief cornerstone has now become a stumbling block? To the, that was the idea, a New Testament quote. But okay, where's the concept of a well, stumbling block? Well, they would take from? a cow and you tie a rope around the cow's neck. To the other end of the rope, you tie a, a big piece of wood. And every time the cow would raise his head to walk, it would move the log in front of it, a block in front of it. So and it would trip over that log, uh-huh. and so it'd stop walking and just stand there because it didn't have enough sense on how to step over. Oh, that's interesting, Is, and that's a real true understanding that's a true of a stumbling block. And you you were around cows when you were young, sure, and. Is, and I'm sure you know that uh, they would build those trenches and put those open, those big holes and put those bars across. There. Right. Uh, the cattle is that called a cattle guard? 
Well, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, and, and, they, the cows, and they won't walk across and it. And they won't walk across it. Yet any, any animal that can think very far would say, well, just step on the middle bars. <laughs> but the exact same concept. Cows and, and goats and uh, pigs, they don't think like that. Yeah. But, yeah, we had um, – uh, when we milked cows, you know, they had a little thing they put their head through, and they were they eating grain. You had food while you milked them, right, right. but you had hobbles you would put on their back feet yeah. uh, because if you didn't, they'd kick the way out of you. I mean, yeah. you you start milking away, and they raise that back foot. And if you're an experienced milker, you know how to put your, where to put your hand, and they'll put their foot back down. But if you don't know it, they'll pick that foot up and pow, they'll pop you across the shoot you across the barn. You know. Um, so anyway, that that's uh, my experience with milking cows. There you go. And I, and I I had milked one a lot of years, but you never you never forget. Okay, then we we've come to Zechariah, the Malachi. Was there anything particular about Malachi that that is memorable, even from a Hebrew perspective? Is I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't think necessarily has to be from a Hebrew perspective. Oh no, I meant from is Malachi. How is he seen or thought of as? Uh, okay, in the Christian Bible, mm-hmm. uh, he comes, he comes at the, uh, he comes at the end. Uh-huh. I mean Malachi. He comes. Yeah. By the way, Malachi means Malachi, Malachi, Malachi. Mal- the I means my. It's plural. Oh, my, I means I my. Okay, uh-huh. I thought the I meant plural. Malachi is angel. My angel. Oh, Kadoki. I sh- I, I should remember we, that. We you told me that before. That before the yeah, show. I know. You told me that. <laughs> I should remember that. Uh, Malachi, my angel. Okay, so and he is talking about. I think one of the uh, one of the most memorable things about Malachi is that uh, there were two things. One that they were offering unworthy offerings to God. They were being crippled and blind and lame well, animals. Because one of the things he objects to mm-hmm. is like in chapter three, he begins telling about in verse eight. Will, you, will, you, will man rob God? Mm-hmm. Yet you are ah, that's me. right. That's right. Uh, he, he likes he likes to make sure the cash is coming in. You know? uh-huh, uh-huh. And he doesn't like you robbing God. As a matter of fact, do you know why uh, most robbers in today modern society do not rob synagogues and churches? Do you know why? Probably because there's not very much there, I'm guessing. That's very close. It's because all they get is maybe a thousand bucks on Sunday and a bunch of anonymous IOUs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, that is uh, that's one of the themes of Malachi. He talks to people: Would you would a man rob God? You know, and you are by your your tithes and your offerings and so on. And so the, the the lack of giving. Generosity to giving to the to the building of the temple to the cause of God to support the the uh, the uh, priests and so on as they were instructed to do and that was in the Jewish uh, worship structure. You know, Sophie, it's up to you. Uh, but uh, the phone calls are stacking. Sure, up. exactly. Well, good. I'm really glad. Uh, the other theme that I remember from the book is not only uh, the type, but the uh, the theme of divorce. Oh, uh, is a, a part of it, yes, which uh, is is a f- strong part of yeah, the book of Malachi. Right. He, he well, let's go to our calls. Let's let's, uh, let's let's take it. Let, show me that piece of paper again. Yeah. Let's find out who we got up and running. I think it's Federico is going to be our first caller tonight. Hi, hi Frederick. Good to talk to you. How you doing? You pronounce my name pretty good. <laughs> Frederico, claro, claro que sí. Podemos hablar en español. Si prefieres, podemos hablar en español, pero 
probablemente sería mejor hablar el inglés porque estamos aquí. En, sí. Pero oh. en San Antonio hay tanta gente de habla wow. español que podemos hacer. That is the gift that, and that was part of my question, the gift of tongues. But, oh, that's good. Just two tongues. That's your interpretation, your gift of interpretation. There we go. I'm glad to hear from you, my friend, really. Yes, sir. I, I want to touch on the theme about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Good for you. Um, That's fine. They, um, you have to talk in tongues, but there's so many gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not necessarily do I need to speak of, speak tongues. To uh -huh. Right. I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and another thing, the, the Bible says signs, signs are for unbelievers. I don't really need to speak in tongues. And uh, I believe... Uh, The, the the fruit of the spirit is love overall. Amen. I, I mean, the principle uh, that's very clearly uh, the message from Paul in, in Corinthians thirteen. You have all of these gifts. Though I speak with tongues, with the with with the tongues of angels exactly. and have not love, you know, so I become a tinkling symbol and so on. So love is the premier. Uh, gift that we have to give our lives away in, in service of others in, in the name of the Lord. But but I was talking to a group of guys about that this morning, in fact, about about the Holy Spirit. And uh -huh. frankly, what I think the Scriptures tell us, uh, Frederico, what I think the, Spirit, the Scriptures tell us is that uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit is given to Uh, believers, now uh, now that Messiah completed his role and completed his ministry, ascended to the Father. Remember, Jesus said, guys, I've got to go away. I've got to go to the Father. Why? Right. So, that, so that the Father then can send the Comforter, the Paraclete, the one who's going to come alongside. And now, we, the, now the Spirit of God is given to all of God's children. And that from the beginning, from the time of our new birth in Christ, we are... We are indwelt. There is the indwelling presence of the God Spirit, uh -huh. and that we, by faith and trusting in His transforming and empowering work within our lives, we learn to walk filled with the Holy Spirit, walk in the power of God's Spirit day to day. And really, in, in in my view, I think it has nothing to do, particularly now, with uh, I, I don't I don't disavow the gift of, of tongues and so on. Uh, no, no. But I don't think. In other words, for me to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, it's not, you know, I don't have to, and it's not an absolute guaranteed consequence right. of being filled with the Spirit. I did a study one time on the book of Acts, and I took every uh -huh. time in the book of Acts that it says that the people were filled with the Holy Spirit, and I took down what happened in each one of those occasions. And it seems to me like there were 14 different occasions when people were said to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. And it seems like there was there there was some there were like two or three of those occasions where it was accompanied by this this supernatural evidence, uh, speaking another language without learning it. And sometimes it was accompanied by the ecstatic utterance uh, of of. Right. Uh, But most of the time, the most common characteristic of people filled with the Holy Spirit, in a hundred percent of the cases, there was a uh, there was an example of of powerful proclamation of the gospel of the good news. That was the most Amen. common. That was the most common characteristic of people filled with the Spirit. Is there was this powerful, effective. Preaching of the gospel, of the message of, of salvation. And so I, I, I don't disavow Amen. speaking in tongues. I, it can be no. a beautiful gift, uh, but it's not, 
it's not necessary to be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit as a believer, as I, I think. What do you think, right. Federico? Is that yeah, kind of? I was of, wondering if he had any thought on his question. Does that Soapy? go along with kind of what you're? Yeah, Soapy. Do you think he has any thought on his question? Maybe he yeah, might. Maybe we could ask him. <laughs> yeah. What would you like to say about it? Yeah. Now that's enough. What's Soapy? What's your well, other thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I believe overall is is love the love for mm. God and the love for your neighbor because Jesus <laughs> said by these two great love or by those two these two great laws yeah you shall be known the whole law yeah yeah and they, the we will God, know the greatest two laws we will know them by their love for each other yeah thank you oh, I mean, that's I a good reminder that. for us for sure. Uh, now listen, we, and I enjoy your program. Huh? Thank you. I, I'm so glad you're there, Federico. We're glad to hear from you tonight. All right. God bless you, brother. And you too, my friend. Safe everywhere you may be, it may, it may the love and peace and unity uh, in, in your house be forever, and blessings of health and finances. You and are your spiritual life. so kind. Thank Amen. you very much, Federico. I receive that with know. gratitude. Thank you. Well, let's see who else we got on the phone. Do we have someone else, John? Let's, uh, let's, we're almost we're almost out of the first half. Okay, hour. So let's go ahead and talk for a minute before we lose our. Okay, let's do time. that. All right, uh, time is going away. Good. Uh, so, uh, are we about ready to enter Revelation? Do you think? Yeah, we're ready to go with Revelation. I, I just bit, I'll quickly give a little synopsis, if I may. I know mm-hmm. you may have something too, but I just want to tell you, I did a little research because I was wondering what some of the great Christian scholars, great Christian minds, uh-huh. thought about Revelation. Well, this is, a, I ran across some interesting things. Calvin, you know Calvin, uh, he wrote almost nothing. He wrote lots of things, mm-hmm. masses of things, but almost nothing on the book of Revelation. He almost kind of avoided it. Martin Luther, he avoided it for many years, and finally only wrote a small segment. But one of the, probably one of the most interesting things is Augustine. I found from Augustine that he had insisted do not read the book of Revelation for learning prophecy about the future, but simply to teach a spiritual principle. And so he was avoiding it, reading it as prophecy. Now, here are some of the great Christian minds, the great Christian scholars I find today. And I've heard, mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. have, all the people who sell books and write, and it means this, it means that, and, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And, and I've had conversations, frankly, with some of them. And I'll say, well, tell me about that verse. Where does that come from? And many times they can identify it's from Ezekiel, Zechariah, Daniel, whatever. And Isn't tell, it Revelation kind of full of Old Testament depending imagery? Depending on the scholar you talk to, between mm-hmm. 230 to 240 verses are references from what you'd call the Old Testament, mm-hmm. the prophets. Hebrew Scripture, yeah. Uh-huh. So, if that's the case, then I, then I personally think you've got to understand what those verses meant in order to understand it. That's what I think. But when I found a lot of people I talked to, the people are writing books and selling things, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying they're wrong. They may be 100% right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I find that sometimes they don't know what those verses meant back when they were written. And these were written by Jewish, by John, the Apostle John. He's a Jew. Knows well, the, uh, he knows those Hebrew John, scriptures. you talking about his location where he wrote it. Yeah, from the Isle of Patmos <laughs> and so on, yeah. But we'd have to have that perspective, I think, to make sense of the book. So uh, there we go. There's our, our first segment is over. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about the book of Revelation. And maybe we can mention the four basic interpretations of the book, four different perspectives. And we can uh, take your call and thought about what the book of Revelation has for us as well. 210 340 
9585. Don't go away. This is at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. Thank you for being with us tonight. We are considering all things from the book of the Revelation. Uh, it comes up uh, as we end the reading of the scriptures for this year. We started in Genesis a year ago. In this coming week, our Bible re- readings will come from the book of Genesis. Uh, one, one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we'll go back through the scriptures, and next Sunday we'll be commenting through the, those particular passages. And it is but, fascinating that this almost coincides with uh, just within a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating to me that you've done that because the Jews read the Torah mm-hmm. and the prophets together, and they do it in a yearly cycle. Everything's in a cycle. And uh, they just. Is it our year, the no, 365 no. calendar year? The other. Oh, no, okay. I was just going to say about two weeks ago that took place. I see. So, but you're, you're, you put this together on your own, and you come up with it within two weeks of when the actual time mm. period. Biblically, and I'm stressing biblically, because we it's in the Bible when these cycles are. Now, is the and Bible you chronological? Own, you big rascal. Yeah, you. I know. I'm so brilliant, but it was purely by accident. Or, well, or, or if we tend to, I, I kind of feel like God led us in terms of how this came together. It certainly wasn't that due to my my, my brilliance by any stroke. Uh, but I wanted to ask you this: is that? Um, it, 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 as you read through the that you're talking about reading through the the whole Hebrew scriptures yes. from Genesis through Malachi that that idea the uh, prophets and the you have the Torah reading yes you always read the portion of the Torah that uh-huh. thematically matches with something in the prophets in the prophets okay. so you will complete the entire or what you call the Old Testament in one year and you guys have been doing that for thousands of years well since the beginning I don't know how long you want to call it. <laughs> That's amazing. That that's why we keep you. That's why we love to we need your perspective on these passages and it, it is extremely helpful. Uh I it has been to me and I and I know you're a blessing to our interesting little, our uh, little fact. Uh-huh. Uh, when I was born, I was born the same week Passover was. Uh-huh. Ah, my grandson, he had his bar mitzvah uh, cuz he was born on Sukkot. I mean, so you were born on Passover? On uh, yeah, the Passover week, yes, huh? Who else was born in Passover week? Oh, that's a, well, you really want to know? I do. Uh In fact, as I was telling somebody today about it. Abraham, Isaac. Moses? uh, Jacob. No, Moses was born um, uh, on the same day he died. I see. But that that date is actually in the book of Esther. Okay. Now, but the patriarchs. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so. That set the cycle, the system, the agenda. Therefore, uh, that's consistent with what the early Christians celebrated Jesus' birthday as, as Passover. And we know that Jesus, we think he was born at Passover because 
he went to celebrate his, his... I think it's very clear from the book of Luke when his birthday is. Did he went because to... Because remember, the third, mm-hmm. uh, his bar mitzvah, like my grandson, bar mitzvah, uh-huh. that occurs, that's the 13th anniversary. And like I like how the old King James puts it, it says he was fully 12, which means the last time he Completed was Completed his 12th year. Yeah. Uh-huh. And what he would do, he goes to the temple... Well, they had a different name for it. We call it bar mitzvah. Same idea. He, he goes and says he teaches. He asks questions. So he's doing both. That's exactly mm-hmm. what my. That's what you do at a bar mitzvah. Everybody yeah. does. Every child mm-hmm. does that. A girl does a bat mitzvah. But anyway, but the same thing. So when I see that, I say, you know, he's doing in the story exactly mm-hmm. what takes place. And I'm thinking now the and it always occurs on the week of. When he was born, so the 13th anniversary tells us. And we know that his parents and he went to Jerusalem for Passover. Mm -hmm. And that's consistent with what I know of in Israel. They made a secular film, Uh and it was about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And and they put in the film, and I've seen it, and it's got English subtitles. And they say his early followers, Mm -hmm. followers and family... Uh, kept his birthday at Passover. Mm-hmm, Isn't mm-hmm. that fascinating? Yeah. Now, he, you want to hear the other zinger? He completed his 12th year. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. You want to hear the zinger? The zinger? Okay. Oh, there is a zinger. There is a zinger. Stand back, Sergeant. I'll take the bullet. Does he zing in Hebrew or English? He Which... zings in any language he wants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, at any rate, um, so every child uh-huh. on the anniversary, when they're born, there's some Torah portion that takes place during that week. So every child, when he does the bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah for mm-hmm. a girl, they will do the portion that covers that period of when they were born because it's an anniversary, so you're doing the same portion. Mm-hmm. Well, assuming that he was born at Passover, his portion okay. would have been about the Passover lamb. So what was he teaching and asking questions about when he is doing his quote-unquote bar mitzvah mm-hmm. at the temple in the book of Luke? I'm going to suggest, humbly so, but very probably so, mm-hmm. that he's doing a very Jewish thing. He's probably talking about lambs and Passover. Mm-hmm. Whoa, jump Interesting, back. yeah. Isn't that neat? And why we were just talking about John the Baptist, uh, his second cousin, that he was, uh, when it came time to to um, launch his public ministry, uh, uh, what, some 29 years, or from 12 be 17 years later, something like that, that uh, he went to his second cousin, John the Baptist, to be baptized by his, because he's a Levite, as we mentioned. But it was John the Baptist who called him, Behold the Lamb of God, right. who takes away right. the sin. Right. So this idea, this theme so, of the Lamb. So it would not be something foreign to them. No, no, not by any stretch. Yeah, good, good. Well, anyway, we come now. Let's let's jump into, if we can, yeah, that, the book of, kind of Revelation. segue, but. Sure, it was kind of but clumsy. We, but there is something I would like to point out about the book of Revelation. Okay. May I? Yeah, please. Okay. Will you stay? Will you stay with me while I do it? In, in our, yeah, I'll stay in the room here. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, listeners, please don't hesitate to give us a call two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you, don't have, if you to, have a thought that's about, right? And if you don't agree with me, that's fine. That's, you tell yeah, you yeah. disagree with him. Yeah. Folks are free to be wrong if they want. Right? Yeah, no. So, no, no, no. Right, you, so, you call in, folks. Be a, be a part of the so program. We'd love to hear from you. Fascinating. And you actually address this in your one of your questions about Revelation. But mm-hmm. you know, look, uh, look at verse. Do you, do you happen to have a Bible? I do. It's right here in front of me. You see it. Why do you ah, even ask? Well, uh, it's this. so funny if I ask. I know it's no fun. 
Yes, yeah, and you have asked. There have been a few times when I said, "Oh, tonight I don't." Yes, but I know I'll. I have my Bible. You want me to turn to Revelation? Well, chapter 1, verse 3. Would you be kind enough to read that for us? Oh, sure. In English. And I want to point that out because you just demonstrated. Oh, sure. That I speak in tongues, right? The Espanol. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the... Oh, I love that verse. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says for the time is near. Now, let's hold on for a moment. Mm-hmm. So reading is a blessing. Hearing it is a blessing. If you do it now. Hearing and obeying, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so this thing is so confusing. It's very mystical, and there's a lot of misunderstanding. So the question comes up in my mind when I was preparing for tonight. I said, you know, this is a fascinating verse because there are so many insecurities about what this whole book of Revelation is about because originally in Latin it was called ap- Apocalypsis. Uh-huh. And uh, it's so interesting. In Spanish, that's still the name of the book, Apocalypsis. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, uh, so it's fascinating. And if you can't get it, how are you going to get that blessing? There's an interesting thought, right? Now, let's just take a look at something. Now, I don't think anybody can dispute that this book is about Jesus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we all agree with that. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a Christian No book. doubt about it. You take the first five chapters in particular, mm-hmm. uh, they're unambiguous. I mean, it's very clearly the one on the horse and uh, with the... Uh, you know, the, the, uh, it's about Jesus and Jesus speaking to the churches. He has a message for each of the seven churches of that he era, does. the major churches. Indeed. In fact, I will tell you this. Now, in, especially in the Jewish Orthodox settings, in the last part of Revelation, we're talking about a new Jerusalem, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in the, historically, from, I don't know, at the beginning, I guess, because Jerusalem is actually plural because the M is like an S. Uh-huh. So it's Jerusalems, you might say. Mm-hmm. So, but in the Orthodox, very traditional. Jerusalem, that would be peace. Would it be? I, you'll see peace. Okay. okay. Um, so, anyway, but it says that in the Revelation at the end, in the book of Revelation and the Christian scriptures, it says that uh, there'll be a new Jerusalem. Believe it or not, in the orthodox, traditional, very conservative religious view, a new Jerusalem will appear, and they've always said that and always taught that. Hmm. Now, I find, when I first, knowing that, then when I first read this, and I was first supposed to it, I said, whoa, this thing is exactly on the money. Huh. Now, what's fascinating is this. If, but it's, this is clearly from the Greek and the Latin. I cannot find that anybody has referenced that they had it from the Hebrew. I cannot mm-hmm. find it in the Hebrew. So, but it's from the Greek and the Latin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, let me say this. I, I discussed this with somebody else. They may use the fine word. You know, when you, t- and you know this because you s- do the Spanish. So, you have, when you translate, you have to find a way to make parallel meanings. It mm-hmm. has to be parallel. Mm-hmm. So, for example, there are some things here that make parallel meanings to the Greek reader, let's say. But, and if they did it from the Hebrew, would probably make no sense to the Greek reader. Right. I'm going to give you, may I give you a couple of examples? I would. May I throw some at you just to see yeah, if you agree with it yeah, before sure. you get into your examples? Aren't the two languages, Hebrew and Greek, in some ways... 
not particularly compatible or I, I, my understanding is that Hebrews is a contextual uh, uh, language in the sense that it paints a lot it communicates a lot with pictures and with example in word pictures whereas Greek was more um, a plus B plus C. I mean, more linear. In Greek their... is like English. Greek is very dynamic, very strong, and very large and very precise. Like almost like a, a scientific type language. Kind of a linear thought, logical progression. Yeah. Whereas Hebrew communicates a lot through pictures and through word pictures and and, and examples. It's kind of it's like and so the two languages are not particularly alike in a way. Is that kind of what you would... Hebrew is a very small language. Uh And if I were to write certain words on a piece of paper and just lay in front of you, you would not know what I'm talking about. A shield, perhaps a wine, perhaps a hand. You wouldn't know which things it is, but it's maybe the same word. Mm -hmm. So you have to have context. So... I said conceptual. I meant contextual. I I, I actually... Okay, that's what I meant. Thank you. But, uh, for example, in Jewish thought... You don't have Hades. Yet in here it says that you will, uh, I have, I, it, uh, the text says that uh, I, I have conquered death and Hades. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so from a Greek reader you're saying Hades, but Jews don't have Hades. Mm-hmm. But the Greeks do. But to make a parallel reference, if I go backwards, let's say I've got this from the English and I go to the Greek and then I try to go backwards. Mm-hmm. If I go backwards, it'd probably be the word Sheol. Mm-hmm. So that would be something maybe contextually the person or even conceptually a person could kind of put in place. So you have to be able, and I'm going to get... And is that part of what makes the book of Apocalypses or Revelation, is that part of what makes it complicated for us? Yeah, I think so, because Jews tell stories. The stories tell you things. They tell stories. They paint pictures. Right. You know, so, and, and, and then the Greeks, or the people with precise language, mm-hmm. they got, and depending on the skill of the translator, they have to decide, because they may have a thousand words to choose from, and you have to know what is meant by the picture from the Jewish mm-hmm. uh, pictures. And if you put on top of that the fact that John, uh, and by the way, we might as well tell uh, the Apostle John, uh, remember one of the 12 apostles, um, he was considered, I think, traditionally as being probably the youngest of the 12 apostles. And, of course, he is still, if this was written in the 80s or, or 70s yeah, or even fact, in the 90s. many people think that the, the painting of the Last Supper, the young the youngster sitting uh-huh. there, is John. Is John. In fact, do you know what the very last words he said at the Last Supper was? Oh, no, I feel a joke coming on. What makes you say that? Uh-huh, what? Uh, it actually says that, okay, everybody wants to be in the picture on this side of the table. <laughs> Okay, I knew that was there somewhere. But okay, so you have this young, uh, the youngest of the disciples. Then, if if we think of him in that way, he's now older. Uh, he was um, exiled to the Isle of Patmos out in the Mediterranean, uh, and he there was where he had these visions of. Uh, and of course, you have to remember he's. He's Hebrew. He's Jewish. He knows this. He knows his scriptures. He knows the Hebrew scriptures, the the Old Testament and the well, the, the Tanakh, knows. as we call it. And he has a lot of that language, a lot of that 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 symbolism, a lot of that those pictures. That, but there's something else I'd like to suggest. He borrows so heavily 
from the book of Ezekiel, that okay. is the second yes. Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, did he, some people might accuse him of saying, boy, he's just copying Ezekiel, or perhaps Ezekiel's vision was very much given to Ezekiel, and perhaps this vision, being Id- almost identical, was also given to John. So maybe he did have the same vision because that's accurate. Right, right. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll get right to Federico. He's got a calling in with a different question now, which is which is good. I'll let him answer. It. I'll I'll, I'll okay. listen to his answer to this question this time. Uh, okay. What oh, do you really? think? Should we do that? Why not? Okay. Let's go try this one more time. Federico, glad you called. Yes, sir. Glad you have a new question. <laughs> and I'm going to let you actually answer your question this time. <laughs> go- well, well, actually, I, I wanted to talk to that Jewish brother that's sure. got a Jewish custom. I was, I've always wondered in the Sabbath, the law of the Sabbath, we, we don't keep it in Christianity. I was wondering if a Jewish woman goes into labor on the Sabbath, do they help her? Because you know, no one's supposed to do work. Oh no, no, that's not. Work. According, that's not work. Do, do I get it all wrong? Nobody's, uh, Federico. I don't hear you. I, I, I there I, you go, there you go. Okay, I, uh, Federico, that's a hundred percent. Actually, may I say that one of the I even know a great story about one of the head rabbis one time actually knew of a woman who was having labor on what might be considered the most holy day of the Jewish year, and he left the podium to go assist. So, yeah, right. you, you, you always help somebody that needs physical help, whether it's uh-huh. a broken arm. Listen, are you talking? Am I, I, what's going on, Soap? No. Because one of or an emergency, he, the house is on fire. To what you're I saying. Can't, when you're doing that, I can't hear him. I'm not doing anything. Well. <laughs> You're both on, okay. on the microphone. Go ahead, Federico. What'd you say? Just, just for another case, if the house is on fire, you've, actually you're going to get get to work and put it out. There are exceptions to the Sabbath laws, right? Well, you got to understand what work is. Work is if if I'm a baseball player, that's my work. Right. And uh, helping somebody, uh, doing charity do anything like that but traditionally that's a that's a, a very uh, unusual vague term what that's understood to be is the items that was used to construct the first tabernacle in the wilderness the items they had to do that was work the other things that people have construed and i've heard many things said by many people those generally are not work wasn't there an example, Federico, in the in the New Testament? Wasn't that didn't that question come up one time to Jesus that uh, about the Sabbath? And he said, "Well, it, which of you, if your ox fell into the, would not help, exactly. or your neighbor's ox, or you'd help them?" And so there, it's not an absolute thing about uh, if there's oh, an it, emergency. It, it, if quite, it's quite the contrary, it's absolute that you must help. Okay, right. Okay. That's when he was Good. eating a man's crippled hand. He had a crimp hand, and he said, how much more should I not heal this son of Abraham? Yeah. Uh, and then he told him, stretch forth, stretch forth thy hand. And that's when that happened. When, yeah, well, when they so were t- I, I, it was on the Sabbath. Well, yeah. well, it was on the, on the Sabbath. So Jesus was doing correctly. Anybody that would criticize him would have been incorrect. However, let me ask you a question, Federico. In your example, are you there, for Federico? Yes, sir. Okay. 
Um, the uh, in your example, it says they got very mad at Jesus, and we tend to think it's because he's doing something on the Sabbath. But if you read the, the, that story very well, very close, that's not why. As Sophie just said, he said, which one of you wouldn't pull your sheep or something out of a hole today? Right? Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh-huh. right? So why Jesus, were they unhappy with let's, him? Let's, let's do the Jewish picture. Mm-hmm. Let's do the picture. So I'm standing here talking to these guys saying, okay, which one of you wouldn't pull your sheep out of a hole today? Right? So now I just said right. that to you, to your face. Mm-hmm. Now I turn to this guy and say, hand me your hand. Jesus is pulling his sheep out of a hole. I see. And then he just insulted them and called them where they were setting up their worship as a hole. And he's pulling his sheep out. <laughs> now, why? Before, before we start condemning, let me explain. When uh-huh. Jesus was 100% from everything I can discern, and I've worked at it. He was teaching Torah. Some of these right. other people were adding rules that were man-made rules, like many other religions and churches today, that are not Bible. And right. so, therefore, he was having his conflict with people adding things. So, if, if you, but always take the picture. So here I am. Picture it like you're on stage. And I got three guys standing over here, and I say to you, which one of you guys wouldn't pull your sheep out? And I turn around and say, give me your hand. I'll pull my sheep out. I'm going to pull my sheep out. Now, if you look at it as a picture, yeah. well, that's a good example. Frederico gave us a good example of what you're saying. Uh-huh. So Jews tell picture stories. So. Yeah, they paint a, a, a situation, and you're supposed to interpret from the situation the lesson that is that is That's being right. presented. But if you don't know what the law is, mm-hmm. like for example, right. so you have to know the context. You do. That's where we got what I go. And, the contextual. And if you don't know that Jewish law is that you must help a person in need. Why? And I'm going to tell you, this is a hundred percent the Orthodox and the Jewish view. This is it. It says, "You shall what? You shall serve the Lord with all your heart and soul and life." Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well. If you're not alive, you can't serve him. Mm-hmm. So it's a commandment to serve God. You must be alive, uh-huh. and you must help. You must preserve help. life exactly. as well. Uh, yeah. You see, very good. Good question, Federico. You've given Jack a chance to shine here. He's done a good job on that passage. I'm, I think. I'm, I'm glad you have a Jewish man there that that is sharing Jewish customs because we need to learn all that. Oh, stuff. we do. It enriches our understanding of the scriptures. Your, yeah. Exactly. Thank you, and my God brother. Thank you guys so much. Thank Bye-bye. you for calling in. We're so glad to hear from you. You can do that as well. 210-340-9585. You can pull somebody, pull Jacob out of a hole here or whatever. Okay, no, give us a call if you'd let, let like. 210-340-9585. Yeah. And listen, let's go back. Let's take a quick look. I want to show you something. So we know that Hades is added. That would be the okay. Greek, a functional equivalent to what maybe the Jews might call Sheol. Okay. Uh-huh. But I want, if you got, you still got your Bible. I do still have it okay. right here. Look at chapter 1, verse 8. Would you be kind enough to look at that? And I'm going to we show you something three. that as a Jewish reader, I pick up on. Ah, I like this a lot. But, uh, background is that the, actually the first five chapters of Revelation is, is really very strictly and clearly 
about the Messiah. And, and of course, this is bringing it up right here. Uh, verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Now, uh, let's, this is clearly, when I'm reading this, I catch the idea that we're doing parallel construction, mm-hmm. to speaking to a Greek person, and, when, and we can follow that through with verse 8. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Mm-hmm. That's the Greek alphabet. Agreed? Yes. Uh-huh. Did you know? The A to Z is the idea, right? Oh, uh, let's be careful now. Okay. Uh, is Omega the last letter? Yeah, we can say it's the last letter, but okay. it's not a Z. Uh, oh, uh, no, no. I meant kind of yeah. e- in, in, in English term from the A to Z. But let's so. go Let's go back and show you how what happens sometimes with translations. Okay. It's 100% correct. It's not wrong. It's 100% correct for the Greek reader. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Okay. But, and I'm going to tell you a little interesting side note that usually shocks people. The Greeks were very, very educated. They had a great vocabulary, but it was oral. They did not have a written alphabet till they ran into the Jews. The first three letters of the Greek alphabet are the first three letters of the Jewish alphabet. How about them? They, they made some adaptations. Aleph. Back to Alpha and Omega when we come back. Okay. Man, this uh, segment flew by. That is uh, Agnes Day. I love this song, beautiful song. Uh, we're going to come right back. We'll continue to talk about the book of the Revelation, Apocalypsis. And you can join us. 210 340 9585. Don't go away. with Soapy Dollar. Didn't know Willie Willie Nelson had ever sung a song, a gospel hymn. How about that? Well, I got to say, John... A cloudy day, he recorded that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I so got to say, John did a good job. <laughs> good job. Good choice, John. Well, returning quickly. Okay, we are back. Let's get back to our the theme. Omega. We've got one more segment to kind of talk about the what book the, of what Revelation. I just said, was that on the air? Oh, I think so. Oh, I mean, about the returning to Alpha and Omega. Was that on or no? Yeah, we talked about no, we read said, We read the verse. Before you said returning to this. Oh, okay. We, was that on? Or not? I don't know. Anyway, returning to Alpha and Omega. <laughs> a return to the Alpha and the Omega. Yes. Um, anyway, so that's Greek. Mm-hmm. That's their alphabet. That would make sense to a Greek reader, mm-hmm. and now to an English reader. 
if they had used, but going backwards and putting it back into context of a Hebrew alphabet, it would be Aleph, Tav. Uh-huh. Okay, now, why is that important? Because look at the rest of the verse. And it goes on to say, it says, I want to point out something. It says, uh, Alpha and Omega, that's the Greek, but if it said uh, Aleph and Tav, says the Lord God. Uh-huh. Now, that's important to know. Do you know why? When it says Lord God together. Um, it's a Hebrew thing. Okay, is that Elohim? Uh, uh, one uh, of them is, yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me the significance. Okay, the other one is, uh, God would be what you call Elohim. Uh-huh. Lord would be yud Hey vav Okay. The four letters, the consonants in Hebrew, the tetragrammaton it's called, that's uh-huh. God's name in Hebrew. Uh-huh. So whenever you see it, Lord God, what it's telling you is his name and an Elohim. Now, why is that important? Elohim is the idea of justice or creation and authority. Uh-huh. So he's in charge. He's, uh-huh. He can be a judge. But whenever you see his name with that, that means also compassion, fairness, mercy. So the names together like that have a meaning that's meant from the very beginning in Genesis. Uh uh Now, then I want to show you something. Now, after that, it says, who is and who was and who is to come. I'm going to get to the last couple words, but before Uh I, I want to finish that first. Who is, who was, and who is to come. Now, why is that important? In Hebrew... Is that the eternal nature no, of God? No, don't worry. No, I'm okay. going to stick to the language, the letters, and the alphabet. Okay, all right. In Hebrew, and his name in Hebrew is yad heh vav uh-huh. I'm, I'm pronouncing, I'm not pronouncing the name. I'm, pro- I'm The saying, letters, I'm right? I'm saying the names of the letters. Uh-huh. So, if I take, now remember, in the Hebrew and in the Bible, there are no vowels, there's only consonants, right? Okay. So, yad heh vav if I take different vowels and I put them at the uh, at, at, in God's name, because you put the vowels in Hebrew under, under underneath the consonants, but if I take God's name and I just change the vowels, but I keep the same consonants, it actually means who was, who is, and who, who shall come. Uh, how about His that? name actually means it. Now, when I read that, I say, oh, I know, that's. But I, that works in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. But they. Said, but it doesn't translate that it well. Doesn't translate. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make it wrong in Greek. No, no, I understand. But it does. It's just saying that that's one of those things, those enrichments that you may miss. Sure. Now, the next last words is the Almighty. What's that? The Almighty. That's. Jedi. Shaddai. Shaddai. Oh, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, the Almighty. Uh, okay. El Shaddai, so, what we're El saying Shaddai. Is you got God's name, and they're saying by repeating, by changing the vowels, He is who is, who was, and who is to come. But it's actually His name that means that. But you only catch that from the Hebrew, you lose it with yeah. the translation. But wow. if you're talking to a Greek, you've got to use his alphabet. Uh-huh, exactly, I get it. Now, the idea of you say yod hey vav I, I'm, I'm What I'm doing is I'm naming the, the letters. Four, the four letters. The, and, and we usually nowadays put in, like in, in the Latin, I think it's is, uh, 
Uh, I forget now. I've seen it in one of the uh, uh, Indiana Jones movies. It says in Latin, it's this uh, Yahweh or Jehovah. That's kind of common ways of that we pronounce or try to say it today, um, right? Many people use the word today Jehovah. Uh-huh. Okay. Now we all know there is no J in Hebrew. There's only a Y. Uh-huh. So, but Ys get translated to Js in, in mm-hmm. Latin and in English. Yes. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you a little secret. Everybody that's listening, get close to the radio, and I'm going to tell a secret. This is a secret. I'm close. There is no such word as Jehovah. Uh, But if I take, now listen closely, I'm I'm telling a secret here. Uh The rabbis wanted to protect God's name for slanderous misuse. Uh So what they did is they took the four letters of the Tetragrammaton, the four consonants, uh-huh. yod Hey, vav Hey, but they took the vowels of the word Adonai, and they put those vowels underneath. And so when you put those vowels from Adonai, the Lord, underneath, it comes up Yehovah or Jehovah. Jehovah. But that was meant to protect God's name, and, and it worked. Until the secret was told by me just now, only the Jews knew it. <laughs> oh, I feel honored to be in on that little secret. Well, the first five chapters of Revelation, then, he introduces, and it talks about him that him having this vision, uh, hearing from the, uh, from God, and he and he says, write a book, everything you see, send these and send this book, this letter to the seven churches uh, in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, uh, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And so he writes these messages to the churches of the first century and tells each one uh, something they do good and doing well, and and, and warns but them about some of their areas or something with, mm-hmm. with each one. Um, and uh, well, that goes through chapter one, one. I want to point out in particular. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, let's say. Uh, Let's see, where am I at here? Um, well, let's see. Oh, where am I? Oh, um, well, I want, I'm going to I want to go back to something, but look at uh, chapter 2, verse 12. Okay. Let's talk about Pergamum. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. Okay. Now, this is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. Ah, now let me tell you what. As a Jewish reader, what I get out of mm-hmm. it. Uh, two-edged sword in Hebrew is the word horev. Horev, that's Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. And the reason it's called a sword is because God's commandments has two edges. What you shall do, what you shall not do. Mm-hmm. It's a two-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Now, so I get that out of there. Now, but let's go one step further. I want to show you something. It says... Uh, in Greek, it means like citadel. Mm-hmm. Okay, that name. Now, and look at verse 13. It says, I know where you dwell, mm-hmm. where Satan's throne is. Now, we think that's a bad thing, we should think, right? Mm-hmm. Except for you're a man you're familiar with that started World War II, Hitler. He sent his people over. They totally disassembled from the Greeks and Pergamos. The city. Yes, no, they disassembled the platform. I see. And they reassembled it, and you've seen it in many of the documentaries with uh, Hitler. 
It was reassembled. Remember when he comes out at night, uh-huh. standing on a platform? That's the reassembled platform from Pergamos. How about that? And those big lights, remember they're crossing mm-hmm. at nighttime, and this almost gives like a, a, a royal or even a holy kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He walks out on the stage. He's standing on the stage, the platform. It was actually used by the Greeks. He had mm-hmm. reassembled and taken there. Mm-hmm. And so when he walk out at night, he'd do that was action. You've seen in black and white documentaries. Now, why would he do that? Because for you and I, we might say, what's the throne of Satan? That's not a good thing. Except in their, the Aryan religious view, Satan was a hero because he was fighting the Christians and the Jews. That was a, a different God, different theology. That <laughs> is what they were up to. So that was a good thing for them. And I think Pergamus, if I remember, and I'm just vaguely remembering this from some class on uh, history, and, and so wasn't that a place? It, it was kind of famous for being something. There was some kind of a cave or so. It was a place of of, of Satan in some way. There was some uh, powerful dark influence. Well, it was a very it was a very uh, bad city. They did a lot of sacrifices. A lot of sexual freedom, you might yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I, I'm just vaguely remembering that show. But in the, the church there in Pergamos, he gives this message. And, and to all of these different churches, he has these different messages. Well, and, and I might as well go ahead and touch on one since we got him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, go ahead. Twice, in 2.9 and 3.9, there's a reference here that I'd like, if I may, I'd like to take an attempt to clear up. Okay, 2.9. I know about your suffering and your poverty, these writing to the church in Smyrna, yes. but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days, but if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Wow. What a what message. I want to point out, in the honest, honestly, mm-hmm. traditionally, and I even confirmed this today, that... Uh, Generally, people say, well, uh, they say they're Jews, but they're not, has been interpreted. And it can be interpreted different ways, but generally, the idea was, well, they don't believe in Jesus, so they're not real Jews. Now, oh, I see. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But that's not correct, because a lot of people were saying they were, quote-unquote, Jews that were not Jews. Sort of like uh, like Caiaphas, and uh, he was a Jewish, but he was mm-hmm. not a priest. Mm-hmm. Ananias was not a priest. They're not from the tribe of Levi. How did they get the jobs? Because Herod appointed them, mm-hmm. so they were not priests. And so there's a lot of people in charge of these temples and things. This is in a, a uh, actually all these cities take place in in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Now the one. Interesting, too. And it's all Muslim today, Turkey. Mm-hmm. I've wondered, I, when I was going over this, and I spent a few hours on this today, and I thought, you know, I thought, uh, it's fascinating that the, he says there's seven lampstands. Now, we know what the lampstands are is because it tells us. Mm-hmm. You know where? Yes, you do. You, it's exactly your, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you meant yeah, chapter yeah. 1, verse 20. Yeah, right? that's exactly what I was going to yes. say. So we so, know the lampstands mm-hmm. are the churches. We know the angels, the seven stars, are the angels. Of these seven churches, yeah. yeah. So, and he says, if you don't correct these things for these seven things, I am going to move your lampstand, which actually would be the Hebrew word menorah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, he says, I'm going to move them. 
which means that they're not going to be there no more. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I started having thoughts in my head. I thought, well, maybe they weren't capable or did not repent. So their menorahs or their lampstands were moved, in other words, the churches, and so they ended up being Muslim. Mm-hmm. Wow. About that? Yeah, yeah, it is. Whoa, that's exact, exactly right. Well, each church that has these messages, and then it moves from chapters 2, 3, and 4. It moves into this, this vision in chapter 4. John open, turns from these messages to the churches, and he says, I, I saw a door opening well, heaven. Well, I'm sorry, there's one sentence. I sure, oh, oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. I, I just want to say. No problem. If a Jew was to say, I'm a Jew, we all know the Jews. I mean, back at that time, they know the Jews. So mm-hmm. they can't say, I'm a Jew, and be lying. Mm-hmm. They are a Jew. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it when it says, say they're Jews and they're not, uh, people are trying to construe that to be a religious idea. I'd mm-hmm. like to offer a, a better explanation. Okay, I'm thinking these are people who are claiming that they're Jewish, and maybe they are not. But you can't go to a Jew and say, well, you're not really a Jew. Well, of course I'm really a Jew. My mom, my dad, my grandparents, going back for Mm -hmm. a thousand years. So they are Jews, so they can't be lying. They're talking about something else. And as we kind of read on, you'll see what's going on. It explains what has to be corrected. And, And you were talking about the vision, but there is one more thing I just want to touch on, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what it is. If you look in uh, 214, mm-hmm. it talks about, I have a few things talking about Pergamon. Right, yes. Against you, because you have, there's some, there are some who hold the teaching of Balaam or Balaam, mm-hmm. uh, and who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacred to idols and commit acts of immorality. So we remember this story of Balak, this false uh, prophet in, from the book of uh, um, Numbers. Numbers and uh, uh, false the god of uh, Balaam. And what did they do when 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 the the magician uh, Balaam or Balaam, I guess uh-huh. is how the English pronounce, you're pronouncing it. Um, he, when he couldn't curse Israel, mm-hmm. he came up with an idea. He said, let's use lust. So he said, they wanted, and there's a famous woman, I still remember her name, her name is Cosby, mm-hmm. and it, she was the princess of, the, of, the, uh, of that group. And so they sent all the women in to seduce the men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what they did, they had an elixir, and they had to drink the elixir. And in their religious view, Balak, who was the king uh, of that group of people, they drink this elixir, and it was sort of like a, a beer and a laxative, make you go to the bathroom. Mm. And so what they do, they go to the bathroom, and then their idea is, well, I've cleaned all the impurities out of my body now. Mm. Now I can have sex. Mm. And so that's what he's saying. Th- and so he's saying, look, Pergamon, you guys are doing the same thing, but you're listening to that. To that. So every one of these guys are doing something really kind of sacrilegious, but I want to point out something even deeper that people I was reading today were pointing out that said uh, it has to do with the the dietary laws and sexual morality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all these people are doing something about sexual morality and the dietary laws, because this, this is Jewish. And each one of these ends with uh, everyone who hears has ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Now, I, 
I mean, I think each one of these messages is so important for us as believers today well, to pay and, attention and, to and these I messages. I do apologize, but what did you want to go to about the vision? I'm sorry. Oh, oh I'm just going to move from these messages to the churches okay. in chapters 2, 3, and then in chapter 4, he, he begins to describe this this beautiful vision uh, of heaven. And, and it's so interesting. Uh, it's the, the holiness of God, the beauty, the beauty of being in God's presence and, the, and so on. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, who is, who still is to come. And so you are worthy, O Lord. Uh, remember we have, uh, thou art worthy, thou art worthy. That comes from chapter four, that right, song right, we sing in our right, churches. Right, right. And so, and then chapter five, he makes this transition. I saw this scroll in the right hand of the one who was sta- sitting on the throne. And there was, and he begins to weep and cry because no one is there to open this, to open the, break the seals and open the scroll. And, and yet then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, and it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings among the 24 elders, uh, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 disciples, the, the idea of the 24 elders, I think. He had seen seven horns and seven eyes representing the sevenfold spirit of God. And in, in other words, the, the one is worthy, one is found who is worthy to take the scroll, to break its seals and open it. So we have this beautiful introduction then to to Messiah here in, in the book of Revelation. And uh, he introduces uh, Jesus is worthy there in heaven to open that seal. And then we we have this, the breaking of the, the first of the six seals. And we see in chapter six, starting on, that we begin this pattern of these these seals that are broken, and then there are these different judgments of, of God that comes about. Uh, the, the trumpets, uh, the bowls, and we see. Let me see. You have the break the seven. There's, then there's the trumpets. Ah, I'm trying to remember the, the the repeated judgments that fall. The angels, the trumpets, the bowls of judgment, and this, this reminds me of Jacob of what you said about this cycle of of. The, the 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 Jews understand that the, the that these cycles of God's blessing and then there's a sin of mankind and they fall into judgment and then there's repentance and then they're restored and then they they experience God's blessings and then they fall into sin again these cycles that are kind of repeated uh, and it looks to me like that's what's being described here in Revelation as you see these repeated judgments that fall in, in one after the other. And I, I'm, forgive me that I'm not getting the right order of them. No, no, uh, no. The angels, trumpets, bowls. In, in the interest of time, so, you don't mm-hmm. worry about that. Mm-hmm. you got the concept. That's important. Mm-hmm. The repeated patterns yeah. of judgment and blessing. Uh, and so I, to me, I think, I believe that's probably one of the great messages of the book of Revelation is for us to see those patterns and that they're going to continue I, it does look like the Bible then then describes the book John goes on to describe in his visions here. He, he breaks in chapter 13 to kind of picturing the, 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 the woman who gives birth and the Messiah that's born and he's pursued and wanna, you know, and I, I so on. I point one thing out uh-huh. about, about the book of Revelation. It does give you, let's say, the barrier or the wall, mm-hmm. but it never tells you what goes on after that in heaven. That's not here. No, it's not. That's it's right. Not, that's mm-hmm. it. So all you know is this this wall, this barrier, the throne, these people there, and that's you might call it a, a wall. 
And so uh, what it's saying is, here's this, and all this is going to happen, but we're never told what takes place after and back the wall, after that's past the wall. What's going on? It, it's never mentioned in the book of Revelation. Uh, is, are you relating that to this idea that you, we talked about a little earlier? The, the, it, because the ending chapters, you have this, uh, after uh, after the Messiah, after right. redemption is born, you, you have this new Jerusalem, yeah, the new, new Jerusalem. So, uh, is that is that what you mean? We know we don't get after that. After the, yeah, after that, that's where we don't know. All we know for sure is there's a new Jerusalem, a so new we, heaven, a new earth, and a new, right, Jer- new yeah. heaven, new earth. So it's a new start. But what is going to take place? Well, the Jewish idea is is they'll say that there's no Torah in heaven. Mm-hmm. Not necessary, because you have God. Mm-hmm. So the Torah has been given to earth for human beings. But if there's a new Jerusalem and a new earth, then God is there. So you may not need the Bible, because it's actually God with you. Now, it's interesting that I wonder if that has any correlation to the idea that in heaven there's no sun by day, and yeah, yeah. because the... Yeah, the exactly. sun is there. Exactly. Would that be a you picture got, of the yes. name of the Torah? The yes, idea, yes, of the... yes, yes. Okay. And and I want to point out one thing, just in the interest of time. You mentioned something about chapter thirteen. Uh, look at thirteen eighteen. I want to point out something. Really. Uh huh. This is the famous six six six. Oh yes, yes, yes. And this yes. is absolutely wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> okay, let me find out where it is. It's uh. What's written there is a hundred percent inerrant. It is correct what's written. Uh-huh. It's our thinking about it that may not be understandable. Okay, let me see. I'm trying to find that. Uh, the number of the beast was six. Oh, yeah, his number is 666. It's 13 uh, verses 16, 17, 18, I guess. Well, no, wisdom, but 18 is the number. Yeah, it says wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, if you need understanding and wisdom, then there's something else. It's not so simple saying 666. Right. It takes wisdom and understanding. Are we out of time? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Finish All the right. idea. Well, let me just, that, that's it. I know there's other things I wish we had time to get to. I wish we had more time in Revelation. But I'll just like to say one last thing. Always be the kind of person you'd like to have for a parent. Amen goes there. And folks, this coming week, we'll be focusing on the opening chapters of the book of Genesis. We'll be back here next Sunday, and we'll take in your calls and talk through and begin our way again through the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. God bless. Have a great week. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.